The following is a presentation of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. Powered by Learfield. Welcome to Inside Eagle Nation, your official podcast for Georgia Southern Athletics. Fantrice's debut continues to impress. Four touchdown passes has just tied a Georgia Southern school record. It is 44-7. Inside Eagle Nation is brought to you by Morris Bank. It pays to bank blue. Bud Light. Responsibility has its rewards. Enjoy responsibly. And by Savannah Hilton Head International Airport. Shot fake to get around Anderson. Lane, there's another highlight reel. Doug, check the rim and check the bolt. He almost ripped it off the backboard. It's a game-by-game thing with Kamari Brown. Eagles fans, this is your all-access pass to all things true blue. It's time to take you inside Eagle Nation. And as Coach Russell will say, you ain't seen nothing yet. And now, here's your host, the voice of the Eagles, Danny Reed. Eagle Nation, it's great to see you again. The 212th episode of the Inside Eagle Nation podcast. And boy, it is hard to believe that we are already halfway through the month of December. The calendar is about to turn to 2023. We're still a couple of weeks away from the Camellia Bowl. We'll have plenty on that a little bit later on. We're 12 days away from Christmas. You can sing your version of the song wherever you're listening from. And we're over a month into the winter sports season. It was a clean sweep last week for both Georgia Southern men's and women's basketball. We will talk about that in just a moment. Fun time of the year to simply recharge for the back half of the athletic calendar, but also recharge to get ready for that bowl game in Montgomery, Alabama coming up in two weeks on December the 27th. You can get your tickets to the Camellia Bowl by going online to gseagles.com tickets, or you can call 1-800-GSU-WINS. And be sure to also ask about information regarding the True Blue tailgate taking place that day, Patterson Field, Lot K, right across the street from the Crampton Bowl. That'll be from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. because it is an 11 a.m. kickoff central. Of course, our coverage on the Georgia Southern Sports Network will start at 9 central, 10 eastern as the Eagles try to improve to 4-1 and all-time in bowl games, taking on the Buffalo Bulls for the first time ever. And keep in mind, $3 of each purchase for the True Blue tailgate goes directly to the Competitive Excellence Fund as we try to maintain our outstanding coaches and keep that consistent mindset. True Blue tailgates are sponsored by the Georgia Southern University's Alumni Association, Athletic Foundation, and the Parker College of Business. For the True Blue tailgate, you can go online to gseagles.com slash TBT and make a few days of it in Montgomery for the 2022 Camellia Bowl between Georgia Southern and the Buffalo Bulls. Recapping last week, beginning with women's rifle, and it seems like we have an Addie Burroughs segment each week on the podcast. Second straight month, she won the Southern Conference's Air Rifle and Small Bore Student Athlete of the Month. She is number one in the conference in averages for both disciplines. They concluded the fall with a number 15 national ranking, their highest ranking to end a semester in program history. Now, they'll be back in action in January with that trip up to Fairbanks, Alaska, and a full defense of their 2022 Southern Conference Championship. We already mentioned the exploits of the men's and women's basketball teams a little bit earlier, but how about the work that Anita Howard's crew has done? A 7-1 and start now with five consecutive victories as they went 2-0 and last week, beginning things against Chicago State on Friday morning for the annual field trip game. 
And in front of 2,612 school children, the second largest crowd to ever see a women's basketball game inside Hander Fieldhouse, the Eagles dispatched the Cougars by a final score of 93-71, to helped up by Lydia Freeman's 15 points, and then some natural adversity as the team flew up to Southern Michigan for a Sunday afternoon clash against the Detroit Mercy Titans. And this one needed extra basketball. It went to overtime at Callahan Hall, but the Eagles came out on top 82-79, to getting four and double figures, but they lost Taryn Ward after her double-double of 16 points and 11 rebounds. She fouled out of the contest, but they fed Taya Gibson in the extra session. She ends with 13 points, but scored eight of that in overtime, and the defense held off in the end for a 7-1 start. And the Eagles won't be back in action until Friday, but that will be the final non-conference game of the schedule, welcoming in the College of Charleston, 6 p.m. the tip on Friday at Hander Fieldhouse. Georgia Southern's men putting together some solid basketball as well with two wins last week following the loss the previous Wednesday against Florida Gulf Coast inside Hander Fieldhouse 70-53. The men got seven days off for exams, came back last Wednesday, dominated Division III Piedmont 91-47 on the strength of double-doubles from Carlos Curry and Andre Saversov. Curry scored 20 points, didn't miss a shot. 8 of 8 from the field, 4 of 4 at the line, grabbed 12 rebounds. Saversov came back after missing two games because of illness. He scored 12 points and grabbed a career-high tying 11 rebounds. And Tyron Moore chipped in with a season-best 14 points. He went 4 of 10 from three-point territory. He joined us on the Ford Locker Room wrap-up on Wednesday to talk about simply being a little bit more aggressive on the offensive end. Coaches have been telling me that I, you know, I'm, I'm here to shoot, so... They preach to me, be aggressive, be aggressive. The team's better offensively, you know, when you're aggressive, try to uh, make plays for your teammates and do the little things. And I've just been trying to keep that aggressive mindset. How does it compare trying to get your shot off against a zone as opposed to a man-to-man? Uh, zone, there's a lot more open spaces. Man, they're chasing you all over the court, so it's much harder to get open. So I like when teams play zone against us. <laughs> <laughs> also had two rebounds, three assists, no turnovers in 22 minutes. You guys have had to wait a week to get on court because of exams. But how did it feel to simply get back out there and have one of your better performances of the year? It felt good to get out there and get a win with my guys. You know, we've been in, the, uh, in practice working all week, coming off the loss from FGCU, you know, We've just, we just been trying to go hard, go at it, get better. And then it was a couple of day prep to get ready for an old SoCon rival, the Wofford Terriers, coming into Hanner Fieldhouse on Saturday afternoon. Georgia Southern had lost to Wofford last year, 70-52 to up in Spartanburg as part of the Terrier Classic. But man, how the tables turned. Eagles dominated from pretty much wire to wire, 79-57 over a very stingy Wofford defense. But Georgia Southern shot 63% in the first half, led 49-29 going into the locker room, and the deficit was no less than 16 points the rest of the way. In fact, it got as high as 28 points down the stretch, which is the highest margin that Georgia Southern has had against a Division I opponent all season. Jalen Finch led five Eagles in double figures with a season-high tying 16 points, knocked down a season-best 4 of 5 from three-point territory, as Georgia Southern shot a season-best 10 of 21 from beyond the arc, and ended the contest 52% overall. We said this during the broadcast multiple times, but not only was it the best first half inside Hander Fieldhouse in a long time, but it might have been the most complete basketball game that Brian Berg's squad has put on the floor since he got here in 2020. Coach Berg joined us on the Ford Locker Room wrap-up, lauding the team's preparation, but understanding that there's still much to be done. Give credit to the players. I look back at the two days of preparation. It was really good preparation on their behalf, getting ready for this game. They executed a game plan. Really proud of them, the way that they played not only for 20 minutes, but for the entire game, the full 40. 
what kind of challenges did Wofford pose to make this a unique kind of preparation? Just the way they play. You know, you have experienced players in regards to B.J. Mack, and then you also have um, Messiah Jones. Yeah, they're very skilled. They have the ability to shoot the ball at a high level. But uh, it's a good ball club. I was really proud of our players, the way that they executed the game plan on both sides of the ball tonight. The ability to make a variety of different shots, it seems that Jalen and Caden and even even Ty have the ability to score in so many different ways too. Yeah, five guys in double figures. That's yeah. great to see. You know, it's balanced. But then at the same time, uh, you know, the guys were extremely aggressive. They've been playing extremely confident. And we still have a long ways to go, Danny, but I'm, I'm happy for them tonight. And if we continue to work, the team's going to continue to get better throughout the entire season. Two more home games this week to wrap up the six-game homestand. Tomorrow night, Georgia Southern welcomes in the Moorhead State Eagles out of the Ohio Valley Conference, a home-and-home back end from 2021 when Georgia Southern dropped a 59-51 contest last December out in Moorhead, Kentucky. 6.30 the airtime for the Cutwater Spirits countdown to tip-off. And then Saturday afternoon, Georgia Southern looks to beat the Campbell Fighting Camels for the second straight year. Broadcast begins at 2.30 courtside from Hanner Fieldhouse. But since we are in the midst of bowl season, we've got to talk a little bit of Georgia Southern football. And folks, knowing that the Camellia Bowl is going to host Georgia Southern for the second time ever, we thought we would take a deeper look back at that 2018 thriller when Georgia Southern came from behind in the final three minutes and defeated Eastern Michigan 23-21, to a team that went from 10 losses in 2017 to 10 wins in 2018. At that point, just the fourth team in college football history to go from 10 L's to 10 Dubs. And we've spent a lot of time over the years asking people, where were you when this happened? Where were you when that happened? A lot of people, thankfully, were at the Crampton Bowl that night. There was some rain, there was some wind, but those visiting stands were absolutely packed with blue and white, and we can't wait to see it again on the 27th when Georgia Southern takes on Buffalo. But somebody that had a major role in that comeback victory over Eastern Michigan four years ago, somebody that accounted for both Georgia Southern touchdowns in that game against the Eagles out of Ypsilanti, Michigan, quarterback Shy Wirtz. He, of course, goes down as one of the best signal callers statistically in school history. But that 2018 season was something to marvel at. 25 combined touchdowns, 15 on the ground, 10 more through the air. And the big plays that happened that night... Really, it was a snapshot for how that season went for Georgia Southern. Eagle Nation, without further ado, here's Shy Wirtz. It meant a lot getting to that point, but we knew the job went done. Like, yeah, we win a ball game. Let's go be a 10. So we were stressing it all week, the whole time we practicing everything like that. Like, the season is not complete until we get our 10 wins. We lost 10 last year. Let's go win 10 this year. And so everybody was locked in. Everybody was focused. Like, we just... Back against the wall last year, everybody doubting us. Everybody saying we can't do this, we can't do that. Well, let's flip the script. Like, let's do what they said we wasn't going to do. And so everybody locked in that whole week. That whole season, we just kind of knew. Like, everything was kind of going good for us. So we knew we just went out there and handled our business like we had been doing the rest of the whole season. Then everything was going to be all right. When the game came and lights came on, Eagle Nation, it is great to see you again. One more time from Montgomery, Alabama, and tonight for the very first time, it's Georgia Southern and Eastern Michigan in the 2018 Raycom Media Camellia Bowl from the historic Crampton Bowl. There's a lot of plays we got to talk about from that game. First drive, 95-yard drive, this the spin move, whatever yard line it was. I think it was a 26-27-yard touchdown run. Take me through that play. 
And that play right there was crazy, to be real. Like, the spin move, I ain't even gonna lie to you. It was just instant. I ain't set him up. Man, I just seen him coming. I just, uh uh-uh. No, I got this Out of the shotgun with two backs. Richardson tight right. They need a yard. Words pulls from fields. Open up the middle. Words stumbles. Still has a 20. Spins free. 10. Words 5. Wings up. Beagle makes it. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. They needed one. They got 26. Shy works for the 14th time this season as a rushing touchdown. And with a minute 52 left in the first quarter, it caps a 15-play drive for a 6-0 lead. Oh, my, what a run. That's been I mean, like, that's probably one of my just up there, like, top 10 favorites. But, yeah, that's been It was complete reaction. Like, I ain't playing that. It just, it just happened. And then in, I guess it would have been the fourth, did your helmet come off when LeBaron had to come in and the snap got fumbled and kicked ahead? Is that what happened? Man, <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. So uh, my helmet came off, and then LeBaron came in the game. I don't know. I don't know if it was a snap. I don't know if he dropped it. I don't know what happened. We, we ain't going to blame nobody. All I know, the ball hit the ground. Shout out to my boy Malik Murray. He probably ended up saving the game because we lose the ball right there. That's ugly. That's ugly. That ain't, that ain't good. But Malik Murray, he on the unsigned hero of the game. Shout out to my boy Malik. He uh, ended up getting on it. Same formation. Twins right. Right hash. Second and 13 from the 41. Anthony dropped the snap. It's free in the middle of the field. He got it back. Still lose. Did Malik Murray get that ball in plus territory? Slipped right out of his hands. The ball's been wet the whole night. That ball went forward about 12, 13 yards. Malik Murray looked like he recovered it. Yes, he did. And Eastern Michigan guy holding the ball up like a trophy. But again, it looked like it just slipped right out of the ball. has been a little wet. I have to see a replay on that one a little bit more. Anthony never got the snap. Then the ball was kicked ahead. Fortune tried to recover it. Then it was deflected forward after Brian Miller didn't stay on top of it. You can see Malik Murray wrestle that ball away on the big screen off to the right. He wrestled that away from Calhoun. And instead of Georgia Southern having second down and 13 after a fumbled snap, they have a first down out of this. And what's so crazy is how that happened. We practice drills like that in practice. Falling on the ball if somebody fumbled. Like, we literally had a whole period of ball security where somebody fumbled. We practice in population. So, it's crazy how the last game of the season is. We needed it the most. At the end of the game, they get that touchdown to go up with about three and a half minutes left. You guys take the field. Take me back through what the huddle was like, what the sideline was like, knowing you guys needed to score to win. Everybody knew what time it was. We don't got a rush because we got plenty of time left to score. So we don't really got to get on too many offense. Let's do what we do. And let's just go score. Came down to a, to a 4th and 10. Well, that last play was a sit-down route trying to get it closer. Now you need 10 yards. And you know EMU is going to be coming after works. Well, now they back up and rush three. 4th and 10, Georgia Southern, and it's 41. Drop back the pass. And we really see nothing. So I took off. Wartz pumps, he runs, 45, 50, first down, still going, 45 to the 40, breaks it down to the 32 and the 30. Holy mackerel, Shy Wirtz runs 29 yards to move the chains on fourth and 10. Oh, my. He Where in the name of Clinton, South Carolina, did that come from? As a quarterback, you never want to go down with the ball in your hands on fourth down, especially at the end of the game. So I knew if I, if I took off and ran, 
Like, I literally have to get the first down. Like, I have to. And I took off. I seen nothing but grass. It was what it was. Let's go win. When you see them drop off right before the snap, was there time to just think about what you were looking at? When they went to the drop eight, I knew I had some time. You know, I got five guys blocking for me, so I knew I had a little bit of time to sit back there and, and see the field. Um, but once I didn't really see nothing, I knew I didn't have too much more time. You know what I'm saying? So let me try to make something happen. So when I went to my left a little bit, I'm like, it's nobody over there. Like, nobody. So, hey, let's go get the first down. And got a little bit more. And I ain't going to lie to you, Jamie. I'm not going to lie to you. I wish I had a school. I wish I had a school. But, hey, I think about it like this, too, though. I think about it. If I had a school, then I'd have gave them time. They quarterback. Because they had a good quarterback. You feel me? They had a good quarterback, too. So, I'd have given him some time to get in there and do his thing. But it all worked out for the best. All right. Where were you with Bass kick the field goal? Ball is on the near hash. It is a 40-yard kick. We've said it a lot. We'll say it again. Langan to snap it. Bowerly to hold it. This to win the Raycom Media Camellia Bowl. I think I was on the sideline. I didn't even watch it. I didn't look. Like, I had went to the sideline, took the helmet off, turned my back. I knew, like, if our crowd go crazy, we won the game. If I hear them going crazy, they won. So I didn't even watch it. I knew when I had got up, like, from the, from the plate and seen how close I was, I'm like, yo, coach, they're going to run it down, run it a few more times, let the clock go down a little bit, and let T-Bag go and kick the field goal. Turn my head, I'll ride there with Coach Day and Coach Bibos. When I heard our fans go crazy, I knew it was up. Three ticks left. Snap and hold. Bass swings. On the way. It's gone! And it's well with my soul in Montgomery! Georgia Southern wins the Raycom Media Camellia Bowl! 23-21! Eagle Nation, you fought! You've earned it! You deserve this one! What a win! Make more room in the trophy case! Hardware is coming back to Statesboro! You ever rushed to the field? Did I rush the field? Bro, I was so filled with emotion. I just started crying. Like, I ain't rushed the field. Like, obviously, I wanted to feel like after, but I ain't rushed the field. I was just crying. Like, folks don't know what we have been through, like, the year before. And even that year, like, we had some university hit us through that year, too. Like, so it's just like, bro, we just went 2 and 10. To come back and go 10 and 3. It was like, I don't know. It just felt good. That night in Montgomery, the scramble, the kick, the celebration, everybody knows where they were when Georgia Southern went from 10 losses to 10 wins and simply how special that was for not only that team, but also this program and the transition from the FCS to the FBS. There's going to be a lot more memories made at the Crampton Bowl on December the 27th, and we certainly hope that you'll be a part of it. Georgia Southern versus Buffalo, noon Eastern kick, 11 a.m. Central from the historic Crampton Bowl for the 2022 Camellia Bowl. Please go online to gseagles.com slash tickets to claim yours or call 1-800-GSU-WINS and help Georgia Southern pack that place out and make some memories that will last a lifetime. Somebody that's seen a lot of Georgia Southern memories is the great Roger Inman. He was there for the 2018 Camellia Bowl. Really, he's seen everything since he arrived in Statesboro back in 1977. Typically with Roger, it's short bursts. He's given us so much with our Eagle Tales segment over these last four-plus years, but we were lucky enough to snag him for an extended interview. We'll have that for you next on Inside Eagle Nation. It's time to pack your bags. 
Because Savannah Hilton Head International offers nonstop flights to a variety of major cities, including Denver, Miami, New York City, Washington, D.C., Cincinnati, Cleveland, and many more. Eight airlines, 26 nonstop destinations. Savannah Hilton Head International, the official airport of Georgia Southern Athletics. See where the airport can take you at flysav.com. Inside Eagle Nation podcast continues, and we have heard from this guy a number of times in past editions for his great stories regarding Eagle Tales, but we're going to go a little bit more in depth with Roger Inman today because he's been part of every conference championship, every national championship, every bowl game that Georgia Southern has been since the move up in 2014. And let's begin there. How does getting ready for a bowl game compare to getting ready for a national championship? The bad news about a national title in 1AA is when you start playing, you committed to four straight weeks. As long as you're winning, you've got week after week after week. A bowl game, season's over at the end of, De- or over end of November. If you're in a t- t- conference title game, you've got a first week in December. Other than that, you, you can let the players take some time off and go enjoy some of it prior to getting ready for a bowl game, particularly the bowl games you know, post-Christmas bowl game. The title game, national championship, back to back to back to back, and you hope you win that last game. And we've been very fortunate over the years to have won six of them. We've lost, what, two out of eight? We've been in eight? Okay, we've lost two out of eight. That's pretty damn good odds. That's That just puts more pressure on Coach Helton to continue the winning tradition that all the uh, forefathers have started. Logistically, getting a team and a program to a playoff or to a bowl over the years, how has that process evolved? Hey, you've got uh, 80, 85, you know, to start back there, was simple. We had, were allowed, uh, the NCAA provided the charter plane. Uh, we had to get motor coaches to, back then we called them buses, uh, buses to carry them from, <laughs> from Statesboro over to uh, Savannah to get on the plane. We flew with a group that year called Rich Internationals, uh, NCAA chartered a plane. So we didn't have a whole lot to do with that part of it, except we were only allowed to put... 60 total people as the official travel party on it. Everybody else we put on it. We had to pay the current commercial travel rate. If the commercial rate to Seattle was going to be 700, we, everybody extra, you know, we had to come find $700 to pay for it. And that's the same thing when the, the first year they, they flew to Middle Tennessee, we drove the equipment managers, we drove the trainers. Uh, to try to get that many more people off the plane. Following week, we went to uh, Iowa. Team flew. We drove the managers, trainers, and cheerleaders a long damn road trip uh, <laughs> through the night to play a football game. Uh, and we drove back uh, after we won that ball game. The good news, we fl- flew everybody to uh, Seattle, Tacoma. But logistically, you just don't get in a plane, get in a bus, and go play a football game. It takes a lot of work. We've had some very good ones. One of the funniest ones to work with was Mike Brass with Paul. Trance, who was pretty dang good. Matt Hassan is not bad. Matt does a pretty good job getting us point A to point B. You just don't walk up, you know, bring four buses up in front of FOC, get on the bus, and, you know, two days later we play the football game, turn around and come home. Somebody's got to find an airplane, book the airplane, then uh, you pray that the airplane shows up where it's supposed to, which uh, you've been with part of that. We've been to Savannah and a plane not be there. Uh-huh. And you got to go find an extra place to practice to waste three or four or five hours before the plane finally gets there. You flew back after Louisiana Lafayette a few years ago with uh, Coach Lunsford, or you didn't fly back because we had a flat tire on the plane. Yeah. And there was no spare tire on the plane. So logistically, there's a lot to go into it. Now, the comparison to the one AA national title games and bowl games, 
It's a one-game appearance. My interim head coach at that point in time, Dale McGee, we uh, flew the team. Four of us deadheaded buses out there to uh, Mobile, met them at the airport, picked them up, had them in town for the four days uh, bowl experience, and put them on a plane afterwards, and we came home slowly. Then the team made it easy because they flew in and out of Mobile. We went to the Camellia Bowl in 18, uh, and same thing with the Cure Bowl. Uh, we drove down. The Camellia Bowl, we carried five buses over to Camellia Bowl that year. You work with the local officers there who's your, your client, you know, the guys who get you point A to point B safely so you don't get lost in uh, you know, the city you're in. You know, it all worked out. You know, the logistics works out very, very well with that. Different, big difference in a bowl game is, you know, if, again, if it's after Christmas, you've got plenty of time to give some players some rest and rehab some uh, injuries. The one double playoff system, back to back to back. If you get a kid hurt week one, he might not be ready week four. You hope you can, and you hope you're in week four. But uh, the bowl game, you've got more opportunity to get people healed before you get to it. All right, I want to go bowl by bowl with 2015 down in Mobile with GoDaddy. This was the first one, so everybody, I'm sure, was excited about a new experience, getting a chance to play a Bowling Green team that had two Power Five victories that year, but to dominate them. What else really pops out about? beating Bowling Green in that first bowl game. The excitement that our spectators provided, because we had that day over 28,000 in attendance, Georgia Southern, regardless if it's a bowl that you do not have to fly to, we will have a excellent, excellent attendance because Georgia Southern's always been a, our spectators go wherever we go. You know, we'll carry, if we carried a bunch on some plane trips, but on flight trips, but we will carry a large number of people if it's a, if the bowl game is an easy drive. Uh, and hopefully the bowl people know that because they've turned more ticket sales that way and they make more money on a bowl. You've trained for this all year. Endless hours of cardio, conditioning, and weights. And now you are ready. Ready to trek back to your seat from the concession stand. Through the lines, lost fans, and that mascot who wants you to do a little dancey dance. All without spilling a drop of your ice-cold Bud Light. Welcome back to football, sports fans. The bowl game down in uh, in Mobile was our first time, my first time. Uh, thank goodness I got a ring to indicate that the outcome was extremely good. Just to see the enjoyment from the spectator's sake, and more so as well that day for Dale McGee, because it's obviously... Not his biggest win in his career, but it's one of them. And Dale would have to say that. It's his first win as a head coach. <laughs> and it may be his last win as a head coach. Don't know what Dale's history will be, but you know, when he left us, he went to Georgia. He's had a very successful time there. Had to wait a couple of years for 2018. But coming off of 2-10 and 10, to have the chance to win 10 games with that Camellia Bowl game against Eastern Michigan, that was an emotional couple of days. It turned out to be another thrilling game thanks to Tyler Bass. What do you remember about that night in Montgomery? We're now two and zero against the MAC at that point in time, you know. So we're we're not bad against uh, an experienced, uh, well seasoned conference, uh, and we're the new kids on the block. But you know, we, we've always Georgia Southern's always been a fighter. We're going to go after stuff we think we need to win. But the Camellia Bowl was a little, you know, just a five and a half hour ride over to uh, Montgomery and then game's over five and a half hour ride I'm trying to remember what the game time was but it was an afternoon game it wasn't a late late yeah. it was not a night game the return drive home was not that brutal uh, we stopped at uh, Little Love's truck stop and made them a lot of money going and coming so uh, they enjoyed us being over there you know they're midway we just make it work 
2019 was a little bit of a different flavor. The game didn't go Georgia Southern's way, but it's a new destination, going to Orlando for the Cure Bowl, having a chance to play at the soccer stadium. What made that one unique? The goalposts were not perfectly straight. Since it, well, you're right, it's a soccer stadium. I'm, you know, I saw walking around looking at that, and like they had to come in and put them in at a pretty, you know, they're, they're better now. But the field was totally flat, whereas most football fields have some crown to them. I mean, the artificials have some crown, but this was a perfectly flat field. The thing that stuck out in my mind the most about the uh, ball game in Orlando is we had easily 14, 15 motorcycle cops wherever we went. We had zero trouble moving around Orlando. They, you get on the two-lane roads around, they had everything blocked. You get on I-4, nobody's allowed on I-4 at that point in time but the, <laughs> the team who's on it. They block every intersection. No one's in front of you. No one's behind. They know how to – they did a heck of a job moving the football team around it. Bad news is we didn't do too well at the football. You know, we did not win. It, uh, Liberty did a better job than us that day, and they won the football game. But the atmosphere with the number of people that we had at the Cure Bowl was again an exciting day to you know be a, you know be there as a part of Georgia Southern. Then 2020 with New Orleans, that one's a little bit different because of COVID. You didn't travel to nope. it, and the team only went the day before. They didn't get the full experience. They ended up with a dominant victory over Louisiana Tech. But can you take me back to those couple of days, simply knowing that Georgia Southern was going to get to play a bowl game in the midst of all that was going on with COVID? You know, think of the what ifs. Get, we don't have COVID. We've got still got both teams in it. There's a lot of them in 40,000 that game. Yeah. You know, Louisiana La Tech uh, coach uh, Skip that was out there. You know, well renowned to, at that point in time. So you know, we'd like to have thirty. I know we would have traveled extremely well out there. But next to you know, next to that COVID thing, which kind of screwed up a, a lot part of the world. Period. You know, my job at that point was to get the, the team from the FOC to the airport, get them on a plane safely. And be there when they got back. And uh, good news, it was a fun time watching them get off the plane with their championship caps or championship shirts. Uh, and they'll come back home with a little bit of a escort, uh, you know, to get us, you know, get us back here safely. But it was a fun time with, uh, you know, bringing Coach Lunford and the team back. All right, I want to go back a couple of weekends to App State here. I know you weren't at Paulson that night. You had a chance to watch it from home, but. To see the Eagles win the way that they did, to clinch a chance to go to a bowl, for us at Paulson, it was one of the most thrilling things that we had ever seen there. But for someone that's seen everything, to watch that game, what was running through you? If you could replay over and over and over, Clay Helton's words, he was interviewed uh, by McWhorter on the sideline. That's something that needs to be played over and over and over. His expressions were so impressive about the win. Giving most of the credit back to the kids who wanted it. I thought our asses were beat. Uh, why Ab didn't go for the field goal at the end, you know, toward the end of the game, yeah. uh, they did not, which is great for us. I, I knew immediately when we went to overtime, it was our football game. I didn't think there was any question there. We had it. And to hear Clay's, uh, good grief, I can't say excitement, it was beyond excitement. <laughs> His joy to win that football game, that's something that needs to be replayed over and over and over. Glory to God and a bunch of great kids. Is college football not the best thing on earth? It is the most awesome environment ever. So proud of our kids. So proud to get this win and get to go bowling. This group of seniors has been so much. What can you say about their contributions to this Eagles football team? Well, I, I tell you what, this group has built our culture, and this group deserves this win tonight. 
Always appreciate the stories. Love getting a chance to visit with you. I know this trip is going to bring up more of the same, but thanks for the time. Thanks for being who you are. Hey, I want to add a 13th ring to my collection. Make what we do here more fun. Roger Inman. You can feel the emotion on that. Inside Eagle Nation continues after this. Morris Bank is proud to be the Georgia Southern football season presenting sponsor. We've got a lot of Eagles on our team, so we know what it means to bleed blue. Believe, lead, understand, and excel are our principles which Morris Bank was built. Even though things are constantly changing, our commitment to our customers is stronger than ever. Just like the family feel of Georgia Southern, we still say hello when you walk into any of our locations. Because Morris Bank hasn't forgotten that our customers and communities are what it's really all about. And that's what we mean when we say it pays to bank blue. Morris Bank, member FDIC. Heartfelt thanks to Shy Wirtz for sharing his thoughts on the 2018 Camellia Bowl and, of course, Roger Inman for not only taking us back to some of those national championship travels from the 80s, the 90s, 2000s, but also how Georgia Southern has amped up the travel since moving to the FBS with that GoDaddy Bowl experience in 2015, 18 in Montgomery, 19 in Orlando, 20 in New Orleans dealing with covid There's been a lot to consider, and somebody that has literally seen everything is Roger Inman, and you're going to have a tough time finding somebody that gets more emotional when talking about Georgia Southern football and Georgia Southern athletics. And like Roger said with Coach Heldon's postgame comments from the double overtime victory against Appalachian State, I'd encourage all of you to go back to the very end of the ESPN Plus broadcast, go find that interview, and see not only what that meant to Coach Heldon, but just how lucky we are to have him here and how lucky he believes he is to be the head football coach at Georgia Southern University. We'll be back next Tuesday talking more Georgia Southern Athletics, a deeper preview of the Buffalo Bulls, and at that time we'll only be seven days out from kickoff for the 2022 Camellia Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama. Eagle Nation, you have a great week. I'm Danny Reed, and you've been listening to Inside Eagle Nation. You've been listening to Inside Eagle Nation, powered by Learfield the official podcast of Georgia Southern Athletics.